0: Vision Christian Radio is all about connecting faith to life. From inspiring stories about the struggles we all face to helping you understand the issues going on in the world to clear and understandable Bible teaching. All peppered with great Christian music, the latest news, and and even a few laughs along along the way. way. You're about to experience just a small part of what we do. For the full experience, tune into a Vision Christian Radio FM or AM station near you. Listen online at visionradio.org.au or, or download, download our free app.
1: On to one of those more controversial topics again today, and the issue of halal certification. You might be aware that the Economic Reference Committee has completed its report into third party halal certification. Now, that report, I thought, was to be tabled tomorrow. Well, it looks like it may even be tabled in the Senate in the next hour as we're talking and we'll see if we can get some updates if that is tabled and uh, whether we have all of the detail to be able to discuss what's in the report. Just waiting to hear what recommendations are in that report. Well to talk through the issue of Halal certification it's good to be able to welcome Kiralee Smith. Now Kiralee is an expert on Halal certification. She's the creator of the website that you might be familiar with called Halal Choice. Choices. She's also produced a shopping guidebook and also a phone app, in order to help people understand how to make right choices. Kira Lee is also a Senate candidate for the New Australian Liberty Alliance Party, and Kira Lee joining us through the hour. And welcome along, Kira Lee. Great to talk to you.
2: Great to talk to you as well, Neil. Thank you for having
3: me.
1: Kiralee, uh, when I say uh, Kiralee Smith, an expert on halal certification, uh, that's that's not uh, an exaggeration. You have been absorbed in this whole issue of halal certification now for about five years. Uh, you were quite inspired at one stage uh, when you went to a particular presentation there with uh, Dr. Mark Jewry. Uh, just explain to us your journey so far on this whole halal choices issue.
3: Yeah,
2: well, it, it wasn't something I set out to do, that's for sure. I call myself an accidental activist when it comes to halal certification, but it's something that. I really believe that I've been led to do and called to do, and I'm very thankful for the journey thus far. So, yeah, I did go to a seminar by the Reverend Dr. Mark Jewry. He's an Anglican pastor. He's also a scholar on things Islamic. He's a linguist, and he's a human rights activist. He's an amazing man. And during that conference, he was talking about Islam He's a very compassionate person, a very knowledgeable person and he just made a couple of comments that there was suspicion surrounding the halal certification industry and what it was funding and that sparked my interest I guess to think well I'm just a housewife, I can't make a big difference in the world but perhaps if I can make good choices in my shopping then that's the difference that I can make. Well little did I know the journey that I was about to embark on by making that decision.
1: Well, I love that terminology you use when you say I'm an accidental activist because uh, this has caught, captured your imagination. And if I were reflecting on the fact that you uh, went and studied uh, in a Bible college situation, you have a Bachelor of Theology that dates back to the late 1990s, how valuable has it been to have had some formal theological training when you start to make comparative... Uh, analysis of of the way that different religions do things.
2: Extremely helpful, obviously. it's it's. I can see that everything's um, been for this purpose, I guess, that you know the missionary trips I've done, the study that I've done, I had never intended to get that Bachelor of Theology to become uh, a pastor, so to speak, in a local church situation. It was more for my personal reasons. Um, I became a Christian later in life. It was something that I wanted to, to do for my own personal development and growth and understanding not just of... Christianity but of other world religions and it's been uh, just so essential in in having that understanding as I've embarked on this journey.
1: And Kiralee you haven't just been sitting around here in Australia in that time you've actually done some traveling around overseas you've monitored how this whole halal issue works in other nations uh, other cultures as well Uh, what, what sort of places have you been to around the world?
2: well, it was more the it was more Islam before the halal i did, uh, it was during our travels my husband and I spent one month in Mali in north West Africa and we were there for a month serving with uh, the head of the West African mission there, but he happened to be a uh, Born of a Lebanese and American parent and a Shiite Muslim family. He was the first born son of that family. And he, he is known as an apostate. He left Islam. A fatwa was put out on him by his own family for his death and a uh, fascinating story and an incredible man again so full of compassion for for all people regardless of their faith and devoted his life to that so living with him for months gave us such an incredible understanding of the challenges in Mali at the time was one of the five poorest nations in the world i think it's still very high up there and uh and it, it, the jihadis were were there but it wasn't a major problem but it, it, it really opened our eyes to the problems and the, the challenges of living in a country where you have Islam uh, and, and Christianity together and then two years later we also spent a few weeks in Indonesia and that was after a very horrific Time that Indonesia had been through in starting in 1999 in Ambon, there was a massive jihad uprising. There was about 50,000 people displaced from this jihad. There was 10,000, or it's estimated 10,000, murdered. And we went and visited refugee camps there, and we met many victims from that. There was there was not one person we met who didn't have a story of some incredible trauma. That was so hard for me to comprehend, you know, living right next door to Indonesia, but no concept of the fear, the terror, the heartache, the loss, the grief that these people had experienced. And we met, um, again, people who, who identified as Muslims and Christians during that trip, but all had horrific stories to tell of these fundamental Islamists who were, very dedicated to jihad. And I guess it was during those two trips in particular, but we spent time in Belgium, I've spent time in other countries where we started to see, so over the last 15 years, this rise of a violence of a dominant uh, aspect of, of the Islamic religion that is very concerning. And it's something that we need to talk about. It's something that we need to discuss. It's something we need to criticise and analyse. And I know now that that's my purpose and my calling. And I, I want to make a distinction, Neil, that um, I say this a lot, and people who know me would have heard this many, many times, but I think we can criticise the ideology of Islam without... Uh, without Uh, victimizing or harming Muslim people. People are individuals. They are valuable. They are precious. Uh, It's the belief system that I criticize. It's the belief system that I have an issue with, just like I would and say, you know, not uh, because you don't like Nazism doesn't mean you hate all Germans. Because you don't like Communism doesn't mean you hate all North Koreans. And there's aspects even of Catholicism or parts of Christianity, perhaps, that we can criticize. And it doesn't mean that there's a blanket Um, uh, hate for anyone or any individual in that it is the ideology that I am specifically concerned with.
1: And of course a lot of people love to criticise Christianity anyway so I guess if we're talking uh, comparative religion that's uh That is an acceptable discussion to have because oftentimes people who are on the other side who are defending Islam love to bring in this idea of racism and you're actually called a racist. I know you've been called a racist, (laughs) Uh, but of course it's not a race-related argument, is it? It, Not at all. It's a a religious-based argument.
2: Of course, it, and it, it's the similar thing. anybody anybody it seems, and everybody does criticise whether it's Catholicism or Christianity at large, and and those you know there's movies made, there's mocking, there's scoffing, there's there's artworks that are just unbelievably offensive but we understand that that things need to be able to stand up under scrutiny we engage in those debates and we certainly don't react violently if somebody criticizes our faith and our belief system however when it comes to islam There's what's called blasphemy laws, and we're seeing those laws enacted even in our country this very day where we've now come up with this term called Islamophobia. You know, we don't have a Catholicophobia. We don't have Christianophobia. It's a term used or designed to actually shut down debate and to stop blasphemy uh, of the Islamic religion. But I will stand and and have this conversation with anyone that we must be able to criticise it. It must be subject to the same scrutiny that any other... Any other ideology in the world is subject to.
1: Well, I want to invite our listeners to join in our conversation today, Kira Lee. So opening our talkback lines on 1-800-316-316, you might have your own thoughts on the issues of halal certification. Uh, Does it concern you that Islam has attacks on Australians? And what action would you expect the government will take after this Senate inquiry of recent times? And, of course, as we mentioned, uh, awaiting even imminently that the report from that Senate inquiry will be tabled in the Senate. And when it is tabled, uh, we might have some more light on those recommendations. So one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to join in our conversation. Uh, let's get to the crux of what the contentious points are here. Uh, Kiralee, because yep. uh, if we're talking about halal and we're talking about Australians who buy groceries, uh, what is the point of contention? What's the most serious thing that you can focus in on and say, well, this is why we need to be concerned about a halal tax on Australian items?
2: Well, I believe it's because it's the funding the promotion of Islam and Sharia law in this country. I started Halal Choices because there wasn't enough information for consumers to make an informed decision at the point of sale. That means that there's not information on the labels. There's a lot of meat that's being ritually slaughtered, and there are a lot of Christians that have or take issue with that, obviously. Um, there's also the issues of we don't know where the money goes. We have some idea and indication, and even at that base level, we know that it's funding Moths and Islamic schools, Islamic charities both here in Australia and overseas and consumers are funding this without their knowledge and consent. So I believe, and I believe one of the reasons this Senate inquiry did go ahead was because consumers deserve a right to be able to make that choice, and to make that choice, they must have information.
1: Now, you were present, or you were monitoring along these Senate inquiries as they began to unfold, and you you were monitoring along the evidence that was being presented, and of course uh, there were a series of senators who were conducting that inquiry. Uh, How significant was it that you saw that evidence begin to unfold? Uh, I know you had some concerns about uh, levels of of corruption, of uh, investigations that had gone on, of bribery, uh, those sorts of things. Did those things come out in the inquiry?
3: Absolutely.
2: Like, one of the first points that was absolutely fascinating was um, a lot of people called it Senator Cory Bernardi's uh, inquiry, which is not true. The way our government works is you must have a majority <laughs> to even uh, allow that inquiry to begin. So there were 34 senators who had had enough correspondence from the constituents or the general public to understand that this was a real issue. This inquiry attracted 1,491 submissions. Now, now, let me put that in context. Most other Senate inquiries get between one and 10 submissions. So there was a massive public response. And most people, while this, uh, this inquiry was covering all third-party certification like organic, kosher uh, and the like, halal by far was the one that was most concerning for for people. And as I first found out, uh, for me the concerns about, as you said, corruption and bribery that most definitely has been highlighted as a result. There were three hearings. They, the purpose of the hearings was to compare and to contrast some of those different methods of certification. And in the last round of hearings there were actually two halal or two people involved in the halal industry, and they both confirmed that there is indeed um, issues, very serious issues, issues that need to be taken into consideration in this halal certification industry. It's not regulated. It's, it's not accountable. It's very difficult to... At, even at the end of a six-month inquiry, there's still no definitive terms of the extent of halal certification. So it will be very interesting today when this uh, report is tabled for us to see what are the recommendations and whether or not the government will actually act on those recommendations.
1: So we're waiting for that report to be tabled today and it may even be being tabled even as we speak. Now, it's possible. if uh, if that report is being tabled right now and we'll get more light, I guess, when it is and uh, there'll be some releases, no doubt, Uh, that will have the detail of what's in the report as a preliminary way to look at it but uh, if we were to speculate about what sort of recommendations are likely to be in there what uh, what do you feel is uh, as though the uh, the recommendations might include
3: well
2: from um, hello choices perspective we're really hopeful that there will be a recommendation for clearer labeling that would include all our domestic products, such as your Cabriés, your Bega, your Nestle products, that there would be some sort of indication on the label that these products, that fees have been paid uh, to halal certify these products. But more importantly, we would also like to see all meat labelled there's, there's this technicality because uh, an animal can be slaughtered according to a Islamic halal ritual, which is the way that it's slaughtered, the prayer that's prayed, that it's a male-only, Muslim-only halal slaughterer. But then technically, if it's transported, packed or stored with what they call haram products, such as pork, then it can't be sold as halal. So Coles and Woolworths hide behind the, this, uh, veneer of saying, oh, it's non halal, don't worry about it, or we don't have to say whether it was killed halal or not, there's no law about it. So we're hoping that the government will say, in actual fact, Coles, Woolworths, KFC, every other outlet will need to say that this, this meat was in fact ritually slaughtered so that consumers can then choose to accept or reject that piece of meat.
0: A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio.
1: It's Neil with you on 2020. The Economic Reference Committee has completed its report into third-party halal certification. That report is about to be tabled in the Senate today. It may even be tabled while our conversation is continuing through this hour. We're just waiting for some word on what the recommendations are in that report. You can be part of our conversation this hour. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. We are talking about Halal. You might have your own thoughts on Halal certification. You can call us on 1-800-316-316. Kiralee Smith is our guest. She's an expert on halal certification. Kiralee, let's take a call from Lee Weiwei in Queensland. Hello, Lee Weiwei. Welcome along.
4: Hello. Lee Weiwei, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm just uh, really uh, concerned that Australia is a democratic country and we have our origins from Judeo-Christian ethics. Uh, Because of that, relative to our democratic way of life in Australia, is it, is Australia allowing another form of government to control and change our way of life in Australia? That's a question that I think every politician should look into, because if people of another country comes to Australia, they should respect the government way of life where they are coming to. They are fleeing from a way of life that they are not happy and they come to Australia and they want to impose their way of life with should not
1: be acceptable. Lee Weiwei, let's hear from Kira Lee Smith because this is clearly a concern that a lot of people have, that there would be a parallel and then ultimately I guess the fear would be that the law, the Sharia law that we've been talking about uh, would eventually overtake our current legal system. Uh, what's uh, your thoughts on Lee Weiwei and her concerns?
2: Yeah, well, thank you for those comments, Lee Weiwei. I I agree that it is a concern. And when I was overseas, but also in the time since I've been home in the last 10 years in particular, so many asylum seekers, refugees and immigrants have said to me, we fled Islam and we came to Australia where we believed it was free and democratic and that uh, where, you know, if Islam takes a foothold here, where else can we go? And I think that's an excellent question. Where else is there to go? I don't know. We have an, a, a wonderful freedoms here that we should protect and celebrate. And the reality is, is that halal practices are a form of Sharia law. It is, it's like the foot in the door, so to speak, uh, in hand in hand with Sharia finance, which is also now being established in our country. And I think that we, a right to be concerned about these issues. Um, Ikebel Patel, who was the president of AFIC a number of years ago, AFIC is the Australian Federation of Islamic Councils, uh, said that we have had, uh, aspects of Sharia law in this country since 1982 when the government first legislated on halal for red meat exports. So there is no denying the fact that this is a form of Sharia. At the moment, For some people, it might seem quite benign that it's not an imposition on them. But there are many of us that believe this is a great imposition on us. As I said before, it means that our consumer dollars are being uh, funneled to different uh, activities without our knowledge or consent. It's funding the promotion of Islam in this country and abroad. And we're not getting a choice on those things. So I think that this is a great starting point It's not the end point but it's a great starting point for us to have this discussion in terms of uh you know halal certification doesn't affect the food safety hygiene or quality of the product it is purely and solely a religious practice and the freedom and the democracy we have here means that one religion is not imposed upon another so we must address this issue of halal certification and Sharia law. And that's what we're, we're doing with this inquiry. It's what I'm doing with the website. Uh, I don't think all, everything will be answered today in the recommendations. However, it is a good start for us.
1: Lee Weiwei from Queensland, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. You can be a part of this conversation. Our talkback line is open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 That's one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 You might have your own thoughts on halal certification. Does it concern you that there is a tax on Australians? Uh, the idea of talking about halal as a tax, is that an over... Uh, exaggeration in any way at all, or is it really a tax? Is that the way we ought to look at it?
3: Well, I mean, there's, there's
2: technicalities. Obviously, with tax, tax is in this country lawfully only allowed to be uh, gov- like instituted by the government and controlled by the government. However, there is a fee that is being paid that we are not aware of, and it's it's the whole and sole purpose is to take and transfer money from. Um, particularly people who aren't Muslims, to the Muslim community. And so, in effect, yes, it is a tax, and it's something that I object to paying and that many other people in this country object to paying.
1: Juliana is in Eden's Landing in Queensland. Hello, Juliana. Welcome along to 2020. Hello. Hello. Hi. What are your thoughts, Juliana?
3: Um, Well, I would like to make a comment. I would like to think that Australian people would wake up do some research into exactly what the Sharia law is, and um, what is there any hidden agenda? And I think people need to pray.
1: Kira Lee, your thoughts on Juliana's uh, ideas?
2: Yes, I agree, and and I'm I'm greatly encouraged actually since I've announced my Senate candidacy with the Australian Liberty Alliance. We've had. Uh, uh, just thousands and thousands of people obviously contact us. I've got more than tw- oh, about 20, about 20,000 followers on Facebook now with Halal Choices and more and more Australians are waking up. But I agree, Juliana, that more do need to wake up. There is this political correct, um, attitude over our government, over the media in particular that needs to be challenged. And again, uh, most of the design of those conversations are to shut us down, call us racist and bigots. But I think that mainstream Australia is ready to have this conversation and to say there's something going on here. We can see what's been happening in Europe over the last 20 years in particular and we don't want that to happen here in Australia. We are a warm, welcoming, compassionate society. We have proven that over and over again. And there are so many uh, cultures and ethnicities that have come and have integrated well that have benefited our nation. It's just a, a beautiful place to be. But it's where there's this segregation, separation, and I would even call it apartheid, of saying we are going to remain separate. We're going to have separate food, separate clothing, separate, um, you know, men and women need to be separate. There's this, all this separation. It does not... Uh, align with australian values and indeed with our judeo-christian foundations as juliana said
1: juliana from eden's landing thanks so much for your input today and uh, to highlight the fact that juliana was saying that christians need to pray that's an important issue too 1-800-316-316 to be part of our conversation let's take a call from mick in emerald in queensland hello mick welcome along to 2020 hello how you doing very good mick what are your thoughts on this
3: uh, my thoughts
2: are um, I really respect the work that is doing and, um, and the, the courage that it's taken her um, to do what to do it. Um, my concern is the companies that are paying this halal tax are now removing the labels. So they're um, misinforming us. Like it's, it's making it harder to, to choose products that aren't halal certified Is there a way that we can force the government to to make these companies show that if they're supporting it?
1: Well, I guess we're waiting for that report to be tabled and it may be being tabled as we speak, but uh, Kiralee, uh, that's one of the things that you were talking about as a possible recommendation to look for?
2: Absolutely, and Mick, you're correct. There are companies who are now removing the fact from the label that they've paid those fees and it is very disconcerting and very frustrating for many consumers because we do want that choice. And uh, we are hoping that one of the government recommendations will be that, and we heard from the um, Australian Consumer Commission, the ACCC, in the first hearing that, in fact, all companies, they don't actually need to pay halal certification fees. They can put a claim on their label or on their website that says, this product does not contain pork, blood or alcohol. They're the three things that are most or that are prohibited for a Muslim person to consume. And companies in this uh, this nation, I think, have been duped into paying, in some cases, exorbitant amount of money to state the obvious, and uh, they don't need to. They can simply make that claim, and it all comes under the current law as it is. And I think companies need to be educated and need to understand that it is not a requirement for them to pay these fees, and it is not a requirement even for domestic consumption because there is a very small percentage of consumers who would even desire to have halal food. And by and large, if the companies are not going to put it on their labels, who are they trying to reach? Because how would Muslims even know that it's halal certified if they're not going to put it on their label? It simply doesn't make any sense.
1: It's Neil with you, 2020, Lee Smith, an expert on Halal certification. Our guest this hour, she's the creator of the Halal Choices website. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316, a whole bunch of calls who've been patiently waiting. Let's take another call, Lee. Let's hear from Shelby in Sunnybank in Queensland. Hello, Shelby. Welcome along to 2020.
5: Uh, yes, uh, Neil, um, love your show and the things that you uh, put on. Um, and again, this one with um, Lee um, Mate, um, I'm just amazed. Um, look, you know, as Kiralee made the point on one of the replies, you know, we've been an outstanding open um, country to invite various different nationalities. Now, I think last count, was it 167 or has it gone higher? in different nationalities within Australia. Um, But, you know, the one that frightens me with the HALA, and as as even Curie says, I I didn't realise that you don't even have to have that uh, HALA certificate. And yet so many people have been duped into this uh, along the way, it seems. Um, and, And along the way, so many other bits and pieces that were being duped into It's like the uh, gay movement, you know, now the Christians, we're going to be the persecuted. We can't stand up for our rights. They will have more rights than us in the end. Um, And it seems that this would happen again, and we've got to put our foot down very firmly. I'm going to leave it on this note. Japan, I am led to believe that they almost have nil Muslim into the country um, because of the, um, sadly to say, that small proportion of the... um, um, terrorists that can seem to come out of the Muslim belief. Um, and, and sadly to say, um, I think what we've got to do here, uh, along with people like uh, Kirillie, is be very firm about one thing. Come to our country, accept our way of life. Otherwise, go back to where you came. Don't try and change our laws and our ways and our civil liberties and all the rest of it. Point to suit yourself, please,
1: That's Shelby. Let's are. get some thoughts uh, from Kiralee. Kiralee, what are your thoughts on uh, on what Shelby is sharing?
2: Thank you, Shelby, for bringing those points up. Well, yeah, I, I do agree that that segregation, not. Uh, sorry, integration, not segregation, must be key for anyone coming to Australia. But the bottom line is most people who are coming to Australia as immigrants or asylum seekers are coming because of the freedom, the democracy, the values that we have here. They're, they're not fleeing to socialist countries. They're not fleeing to Islamically dominated countries. They're fleeing to these sort of countries because we are a safe haven. We are very welcoming, very tolerant. But unfortunately, our tolerance is being exploited and it is being against us and we must uh, as, as shall we said we need to stand firm and protect and defend the freedoms that we have that all people in this country are free to worship or not worship whoever they please uh, they are free to practice whatever lifestyle they like but when it's an imposition on somebody else when it puts someone else in danger when it puts someone else uh, in, in a subservient position that's not acceptable
1: Shelby, are you still with us? Yes, mate, I am. Shelby, just because you're one of the callers this hour, because it is the 1st of December, the first day of summer, Christmas is on its way, I want to be able to uh, just uh, be a blessing to you. There is a new DVD of Steve Grace... Uh, It's called Every Town Down Under, and it's got all eight of his award-winning episodes from his recent TV series covering his 25,000-kilometre road trip around Australia, and uh, you are going to be the recipient of that, and if you'll hold the line, I'll have John take your details, and uh, God's richest blessing on you as, uh, as you head towards Christmas.
5: Thank you very much, Neil. Uh, Steve, yes, I'm very much aware of all his efforts. And you've had him on your show, too, I think, along the
1: way. Oh, yes, of course. And, uh, but yeah. I think you'll enjoy it. Every Town Down Under, it's called. Uh, thank yes, you I... for being part of 2020 today, Shelby.
5: Thank you, Neil. Thank you very much.
1: And thank you'll be you able lovely. to purchase that DVD from Vision Christian Store and at everytowndownunder.com. Uh, and it certainly will make a great Christmas gift. And congratulations there to Shelby. We're taking calls one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's uh, hear from let's hear from Bill in South Australia. Hello, Bill. Welcome along to twenty twenty. Yes, hi, Bill. What are your thoughts?
6: Well, uh, first of all, I'd like to say that my my um, my heart and. Uh, go out to Kiralee. i mean what a magnificent uh, lady she is taking on this very difficult uh, role um, i just want to say that um, I, I i support her completely with her with her approach to this um, but uh, so far as the uh, the issue of halal is concerned um, first of all i haven't heard much about it and I'm surprised it seems that a lot of these things um, are pushed through parliament without a, a great deal of discourse amongst them the public at large. Um, I'm suspicious about why that might be. Uh, I'm not a conspiracist by any means, but there is an awful lot going on with uh, the Islam religion uh, being imported into this country. Uh, particularly in the last five or ten years, we've seen a, a tremendous uh, effect on our uh, mindset, on our, uh, mindset, uh, on our uh, subconscious And I'm I'm not happy about it. And I just think that uh, we've got laws and rules in place in this country that are designed to ensure the well-being of all animals that are slaughtered here. That's certainly good enough for us. I I understand it's not good enough for them. And I support some of the other uh, comments that have been uh, made, uh, that if people are not happy, uh, perhaps they shouldn't come here. Now, I understand this idea about inclusion, and so on. But I don't see much of it coming from the Islam religion per se. I'd like to see more of that. It's, a, it's the thin edge of the wedge. Um, I Personally, I don't like it. I don't like the culture. I don't like the attitude of the religion. And I'm just stating, uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, a matter of fact. That it, it's not as though I don't know something about it. I'm taking a keen interest in what's going on.
1: Bill, it's let's the, get a thought or two from Kira Lee. Bill, uh, Kira Lee on what Bill's talking about?
2: Well, thank you for your kind words. First of all, Bill, I appreciate that and for your support. It has been a hard road, I will say, Neil and Bill, and uh, and I do really, really appreciate the words of encouragement and the prayers of so many supporters. But I would like to speak to your your point about the the coverage or that things getting pushed through Parliament. It's been a fascinating experience for me to see that the first and second hearings were very well covered in the media. They were reported, newspaper. Um, reports there was television news reports there was quite a bit of interest but what was really fascinating was that the third hearing sorry so the first the first hearing was the kosher the organic the hcc the second hearing was ostrack looking at the money where does it go myself bernard gainer who had over 5000 signatures on his submission to the government uh those things did create quite a bit of media interest now I know for a fact that a lot in the media knew that the third hearing was happening. I had indicated that there would be representatives from the halal industry in Australia there. I believed that they would confirm the fact that there was a corruption and bribes in this industry. And the only media that covered it, the only media that turned up to that hearing was Channel 7. Nobody else came, despite the fact that many of them had shown quite an interest in this inquiry to that point. So I don't know about conspiracies either, Bill, but I think it's absolutely fascinating that there had been very little reporting of... Basically, what you would say was quite an explosive moment in this whole process that it was confirmed that there are a lot of problems in this industry and that must be addressed.
1: Bill from South Australia, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. And just reflecting on that for a moment longer, Kiralee, with the media reporting, it does seem to be that any issue to do with Islam fits into this sort of left-leaning idea of uh, being politically correct and the way you must always talk about these sorts of things uh, under an attitude of political correctness. And there is a sense, isn't there, that uh, there's a lot of left-leaning media that does like to actively avoid what we're talking about today as a very important issue.
2: That's that's right. I really, I do believe that there is a, a political correctness that is over the media that is unacceptable and must be exposed. I, I know that there can be a lot of issues with social media, but I'm very thankful that we can actually get the truth out there through social media and that that's been a very powerful tool in communicating this message. Now, I think I think that after today, once the report is handed down, there will be some media coverage. I'm hopeful for that. But it's very unbalanced. And I think that the media do try to create a perception uh, that they want the general public to go along with. And it, it unfortunately isn't going to uh, make many people happy. And many people are waking up to the fact that we're not going to be spoon fed Uh, lies and misinformation. We want the truth and we are grown up enough to make our own decisions and to, to be active in ensuring that Australia is a place that we can, we want our children and our grandchildren to inherit from us in the freedoms, the democracy that we've been talking about. And if we do not stand up to the media or the, the current, um, politicians, then I fear we're going to lose Uh, all of those things that we have had for generations very quickly.
0: Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current
1: events. Awaiting that tabling of the report in the Senate to do with Halal and the certification one 800 316 to join in this conversation we'll take some more calls in just a moment uh, Kiralee, just wanted to touch on with you though, uh, one of the other very controversial and contentious things about the issue of Halal certification and the raising of an awful lot more money than most of us perhaps even imagine, but the idea that the money goes somewhere but no one really knows where it goes. Uh, Did those hearings in the Senate uh, shed any light on where the money goes?
2: Well, it was very interesting, Neil. Um, Definitely more questions than answers were raised, but some things uh, were confirmed for us during the hearings and through some of the submissions. And that is, we know that this is a trillion-dollar worldwide industry. There's a lot of money changing hands. But where the money ends up and exactly how much is in Australia, we still do not know. This was a perfect opportunity for Halal certifiers to come and put misconceptions to rest. All but two of them came. So only two came and even then, they did not answer the questions that were put to them about the amount of money and where it goes. What we did find out from the Australian Federation of Islamic Councils is that increasingly, from 2011 up until 2014, we're talking about half a million dollar profits right up to about $750,000 in profits. That's after expenses are uh, being made just by ASIC. They're one of, of 22 government approved red meat certifiers but there's at least 33 halal certifiers in this country so we are talking millions of dollars in profits we know that some of those halal certifiers are quite open and boastful that that money is going to build mosques, go to islamic schools and islamic charities in um, both here and overseas a four corners investigation show that there's about $5 $5 million going from one of the Victorian halal certifiers to Indonesia for those purposes. But one really interesting fact was there'd been uh, quotes from Austrac who look at the money laundering in this country to say there's no direct links between halal certification and terrorism. Now, that may be the case, but what we found out after questioning, Senator Cory Bernardi was able to question um, Austrac and it was discovered that the reason there's no direct links one of the reasons, perhaps, is that they don't investigate halal certification money and where it goes. So it's, it's very easy to say there's no direct links when the investigation actually hasn't happened. So what is really required now, AUSTRAC confess and admit... They know that Islamic charities are one of the three main conduits for funding extremism and terrorism, though so I would suggest there now needs to be an inquiry into those Islamic charities. We know that the halal certifiers give tens of thousands of dollars a year to those Islamic charities, but they are not investigated. Where the money goes, we still do not know.
1: Mm. Lee, let's take another call or two, and uh, we've, uh, we've got a lot of calls uh, who are coming through. We'll need to be fairly quick with these. Johanna okay. is in Queensland. Johanna, what are your thoughts?
3: Oh, well, my thoughts are that um, I've got a particular concern about um, Costco, where I have picked up items and find out they have the halal certification on it, like um, coconut water has nothing to do with animals. You have the peri peri sauce. And so are there a lot of items there. And I had questioned them about it. The first thing they said to me was they wanted to know my membership number. So of course I didn't give it to them. But I'm really, it's, it's crazy. I just want to know how we as consumers can actively be involved. Because I tend to go to the shops and have a look at stuff, and then I turn turn them around so that people could see the halal sign, but it's so small.
1: Uh, Johanna, let's let's hear from Kira Lee about uh, what action you can take as a consumer.
2: Yes, I, look, I share your frustrations, and obviously that's why I started the website. It's why we have a printed shopping guide and a phone app, and it is an education matter. We need to educate companies and consumers about halal certification. There is no reason on this earth why coconut water fruit in its own juice, honey, nuts and fish, none of those things need halal certification. Muslims understand that those things are already permissible. So it's it's very difficult. But we need to keep the pressure on our MPs as of today to make sure that whatever recommendations are put forward uh, in this Senate inquiry report are actually implemented by the government.
1: Johanna from Queensland, thanks so much for your input today on 2020. Let's hear from Barbara in Hobart. Hello, Barbara. Welcome along to 2020.
3: Oh hi Kiralee, I so applaud what you're doing and you're answering so many questions that I've had and I I do agree that Australia has always been an open-armed country and we it's sort of like there's been a saying in Australia, she'll be right mate. Mm. And I have a sense that it's not going to be right while we carry along. It's like shadow boxing, it's like control. It starts off in a very small way and it's very insidious. And it moves, and in the end, you don't know how it happened, but all of a sudden, everything has changed. And this beautiful country where our men went away and fought for and shed their blood for. And, and we, you know, if someone comes into your house and they start saying, well, I don't like this and I don't like that, well, they can soon leave and go. And another thing, I used to go into the schools and do RE, and I loved it. But now, you can't go into most of the schools because we don't want to offend anybody. Mm. And Jesus offended people wherever he went.
1: He surely did. And Barbara, I'll need to cut you short, but thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. The message there, of course, is we do need to continue to be vigilant. Let's hear from Anderson in Mount Barker in WA. Hello, Anderson. Welcome along.
5: Thank you, Neil. Uh, Clearly, I think you're a brave girl and uh, all kudos to you and um, thank you for what you're doing. Well done. You mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier about how the press, uh, somewhat left-leaning, don't pick up on a lot of this stuff i just mm-hmm. make a comment and get your reaction if you can. Um, I suspect a lot of people are frightened to criticise. You can see what happened to people who criticised the Prophet Muhammad. Yeah, like He wasn't Catholic in today's society. Um, if people criticise Islam, if people criticise the Prophet, uh, they are a fair game for someone's bullet.
1: Fear is very powerful. A quick response from you, Kiralee.
2: Well, um, I, it is, but I, I know the truth and, and I will stand on the truth. That's why I am standing as a Senate candidate. I'm not doing this because that's living the dream. Living the dream for me is growing my own veggies and, and having animals on my farm. But I, I don't want my children to inherit a nightmare. So it's very important that we do stand up, that we're not intimidated by this left-leaning media or political correct disease that is infiltrating our governments, and and i will stand with the australian liberty alliance i will stand and continue with halal choices because it's right and it's truth and as we know jesus is the way the truth and the life and i think that that his core value is freedom and he gives every man the ability to choose or reject him it is freedom and so we, we just have to determine as a people what are our core values and are they worth standing for for me yes they are and
1: i will do it Anderson from Mount Barker, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020 and we are running out of time and it it does appear that uh, that report hasn't been tabled yet in the Senate. And uh, no doubt it'll be tabled this afternoon and there'll be some more to say. And and Kiralee, uh, perhaps we should book in a, another opportunity to get an update on that report uh, perhaps tomorrow if uh, if that report is tabled today and there's some more to talk about with it. So uh, keep that in mind. We might be able to get a, a little bit of an update tomorrow. But Kiralee cool. Smith, uh, I'll point people to your website, halalchoices.com.au. Uh, That's a useful website with lots of information about the Halal certification. You can also get a hold of the shopping guidebook, the phone app, and, Kiralee, just to mention too, you're standing as a Senate candidate for the Australian Liberty Alliance Party. Thanks so much for being with us today on 2020.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Neil. I really appreciate it.
0: Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported.